Ah, thank you, Jimmy. The perfect music for today's subject. Perfect music. Perfect, perfect, perfect day. Perfect music. Welcome to the CXM Experience. As always, I am Grad Khan, CXO at Sprinkler. And today's a today's a monologue show, solo show. So uh, if you don't like those, this would be a good time to move on to the next podcast, which will be an interview. Um, but today's just going to be me. And I'm going to be talking about something pretty personal. I'm going to get real. I'm going to get right into the lower levels of the body. I'm talking about something I like to drink. And uh, actually, my favorite drink. My favorite drink. And I've recently rediscovered it. It's always been my favorite drink. But the quality of it got so poor, and it was so hard to find good examples of it, I, I started to turn away from it because it just was always super disappointing. And I um, recently moved to uh, Florida I'm in Delray Beach, and I'm able to go into these Publix stores, Publix grocery stores, which, by the way, Publix grocery stores are amazing. Like, I really love Publix. They're great. Um, great people, great store, nice and clean, uh, great selection, just a great uh, old-fashioned suburban American grocery store, but, you know, with an amazing, amazing array of stuff. Anyway, um, they have there a brand called Marburger, which is a, a farm dairy. And Marburger sells um, my favorite drink. And I've been getting, uh, they're probably wondering what's going on at Publix because my suspicion is their volume, sell-through volume on this product has probably increased about five-fold since I moved into the neighborhood. But I am a um, big fan and um, really love, I mean, I'm it's like really, really love buttermilk. So buttermilk, let's talk about buttermilk. So first of all, greatest name for a drink ever. Uh, buttermilk is you know just the best two words put together in one sentence you've ever heard. It's interesting, buttermilk is viewed as a reasonably disgusting drink by most people that I run into in North America, although beloved in different forms, uh, particularly in India. And uh, so I'll describe a little bit about what buttermilk is, just in case you don't know. And um, I will wax eloquently about the Marburger uh, buttermilk. They're fantastic. So I'm going to say, say a lot of really good things about them. By the way, it's, it's a whole milk buttermilk, which is part of it. I think that too many buttermilks are made from light uh, or skim milk, and they just don't taste right. And I think there's something about the word buttermilk that makes it sound like it's got higher calories. I don't know what that would be. Uh, but in fact, the calorie count on buttermilk is identical to just milk. Uh, let's talk about what buttermilk is. So buttermilk is a fermented dairy drink. So traditionally, it was the liquid left behind after you churn butter uh, out of cultured cream. But but today, you know, most modern butter is made not with cultured cream, but with sweet cream. So most modern buttermilk is actually cultured milk. Uh, and it's very common in warm climates like the Balkans, India, the Middle East, and the southern U.S., where unrefrigerated fresh milk tends to sour quickly, and buttermilk lasts a really long time uh, unrefrigerated. So buttermilk can be drunk straight, which is what I do. Also great for making soda bread, and because the acid in buttermilk reacts with uh, sodium bicarbonate to produce a better rise, uh, and it's basically a leavening agent, and buttermilk is also used for marination. It can be really great to put a piece of chicken in a whole bunch of buttermilk, 
the lactic acid in buttermilk will tenderize and help uh, sort of per, you know, retain moisture and must, you know make the meat really delicious. Um, and so, um, what you know, why why do I love buttermilk? And and I'll talk a little bit about Marburger, but then I'm going to move on to what buttermilk means to me, and I'm going to relate that to customer experience. Uh, and maybe pull together sort of a way of thinking about the way people look at products from a nostalgia point of view. So Marburger buttermilk is everything perfect. It is tangy, which is really important in buttermilk. It's got to have a bit of a tang to it. Uh, it's super thick. It really pours like a milkshake. Uh, it's got a, um, nice consistency to it, just a little bit thick and a little bit chunky. And, uh, it leaves a really great aftertaste uh, in the mouth. So it is all about the taste and all about the tang and Marburg has done an amazing job of that. It's a thick, tangy, gloppy, wonderful mess of a glass of milk. <laughs> I, I could literally drink it all day long. And I, I go through about two or three bottles a week. So let's talk a little bit about what I like about buttermilk and sort of why. And in a little bit of the history of buttermilk, which is interesting, because it, it was first commercially introduced in the U.S. in the 1920s. And uh, was kind of originally the people that really got excited about it were new immigrants because, you know, they were kind of coming from Europe where um, some of this stuff is more common. Uh, and I'll, I'll talk to talk a little bit about a story about uh, my grandparents and um, and they sort of liked the viscous nature of it. And uh, it could um, and it was viewed as also as a food that slowed aging. And I'll talk a little bit about that, too. Uh, it reached uh, an annual peak sales in 1960. And since then, it's declined in popularity. It's used as an ingredient in a lot of commercial baking, and people still bake with it. But as a drink, it's become uh, pretty marginal. And today, buttermilk sales are about half of what they were in 1960, despite the population doubling. So it's, it's you know definitely becoming a niche drink for sure. And uh, I do enjoy drinking buttermilk with groups of people because they're usually <laughs> completely disgusted by it. So it's too, super fun. The, uh, the basic idea of buttermilk uh, is because it's fermented, uh, a lot of people see it as being something that's almost like a health food. So let me talk a little bit about my grandparents. So I had two amazing grandparents, um, Bobby and Jaji, who uh, lived in St. Catharines, Ontario, and we would visit them frequently, especially when we lived in Ontario. We would see them, to my memory, it seemed like almost every Sunday. That couldn't have been true, but maybe in the summers, it was every Sunday. Uh, often we would spend the day with them on a Sunday, hanging out, just doing stuff, very, very low-key, beautifully laconic, and then would grab a pizza and zip home to Mississauga and, and have that pizza when we got home. And they always had buttermilk in the refrigerator. And what I, I can't remember the name of the brand, but I do remember the packaging really vividly because it had a picture of like a strong man on the package. And it was whatever something buttermilk. And it was all about how good it was for you. It was sold very much on the benefits, you know, health benefits. And what was interesting about that buttermilk, and I do remember, especially to a child's taste buds, it must have been really tangy. But I remember that tang and that real 
sour taste. It was just like so fantastic. And they had little flakes of like little yellow flakes in the milk itself to kind of connote the buttermilk. It's like little power flakes, I think they called them or something, or power buds or whatever. There's some kind of power bud in there. And it was the best buttermilk you've ever had. It was incredible. And Bobby and Jaji had this dish that they would make. Uh, and it, it, Jaji told me the history of it, which is it had come from a time when Poland was gripped by famine and people were people were starving and didn't know what to eat. And the king decreed that the national dish of Poland would be uh, potatoes and buttermilk. And sour milk was not hard to get and it stayed well and potatoes were still reasonably plentiful. And so the dish we would have, I'm just, my mouth is watering just thinking about this, is a, it was a bowl, like a soup bowl, uh, full of buttermilk. And then Bobby would make a big bowl in the center of the table of mashed potatoes. And she made amazing mashed potatoes because she would have fried onions in them and, and lots of butter and they were mashed beautifully and they were fluffy and they were just like gorgeous mashed potatoes. And then basically what you would do is you'd take a spoon and we always ate this dish in the, at the height of the summer. Um, Bobby and Jaji didn't have any air conditioning. And so their house was like a million degrees. <laughs> like you would literally have to sit like in shorts with no shirt on just to like manage the temperature. And so we're all sitting around the table half naked. And then we would uh, take a spoon, you know, like a soup spoon or tablespoon. And we would uh, take a little bit of the mashed potato. And then we would put that into the soup bowl in front of us and then essentially dip it and take, fill the rest of the spoon with the buttermilk. So it's like a little bit of potato and a little bit of buttermilk. So you have one bite of buttermilk and mashed potato. And I know that sounds like a reasonably simple dish, but to this day, it's maybe one of the greatest things I've ever eaten. And we had it frequently enough that I, I could look forward to it. And pierogi was pretty amazing too, but this was really good. And so we would we would eat this dish. And I, I from that grew this great love of buttermilk. Now, over the years, the idea of buttermilk's original intent, which, you know, being leftover from churning, that kind of went away. And then people started going to skim milk and buttermilk became, you know, degraded over time. And as I would have buttermilk and over the years in different places, uh, I would be so disappointed because I had this incredible childhood memory of either having the potatoes and buttermilk or just sitting in the backyard uh, with Jaji and Bobby in the garden. You know, you could hear the crickets that really hot, hot summer day in Southern Ontario and the crickets buzzing, like just buzzing. And otherwise, very quiet, no other sounds. Bobby working in the garden, Jaji sitting beside me, talking on the bench, uh, sitting there with a glass of buttermilk. Oh, man, that was... And he, I, I will say that I'll give myself credit in that I appreciated it at the time. Not maybe as much as I appreciate it now, but I did appreciate it at the time. I knew it was special. Uh, and I, I remember really soaking it in, like photographing it with my mind so I could never forget. But uh, buttermilk was part of that. And then, you know, I'm finally drinking buttermilk a lot again now that I'm back in Florida. And it's, of course, very hot here as well. So it's kind of got a nice sort of similar feel to it. And it made me think a lot about customer experience and emotion and how we connect to people's core and how we connect to people's like really deep emotions. Because I'm pretty sure that the folks at Marburger, who are 
probably wondering why Publix number 723 is suddenly selling so much buttermilk. Don't really think about buttermilk that way. They probably have an inside-out perspective. So the inside-out perspective that they would have, which is what most manufacturers and product people have, is they, they're making the buttermilk. So they are, they're obviously concerned every day with the quality of it and making sure that it's fresh and staying within government guidelines and you know marking the, the best before date and all that stuff correctly. And, and they call it gourmet buttermilk. So they're, they're not fooling around here. They know it's because they're making it out of whole milk. And I assume they think people are baking with it and getting really good baking results. But are they thinking that every time I have a glass of buttermilk, I'm sitting on a bench with Jaji, you know, or, or in the kitchen with my grandparents, you know, dipping potatoes in it, or thinking about, you know, hot summers when I was a child? I don't think so. I mean, if they were, they would probably be doing a different kind of marketing. And what I'm talking about is an outside-in perspective, which is as a consumer, I bring all sorts of freight to the party. You know, I'm, I've freighted this product with all sorts of really deep, deep personal issues and personal thoughts. Uh, this has become something that is um, emotionally very important to me. And if I was to go to Publix tomorrow, and Marg Burgers wasn't available, and all I could get was the light Publix brand, I think I'd be pretty, I think I'd be pretty sad. I would be very disappointed because suddenly I would not have access to that taste that conjures up all those images. I do think that McDonald's gets this sometimes, but not enough. Uh, McDonald's, I think, is so connected to so many moments you know i can only, i can remember a number of times when you know despite our best intentions as parents we would take our kids to mcdonald's because that's all they really seem to want to eat sometimes and we were tired and and then having some really beautiful family moments with children and having some really beautiful times there and mcdonald's sells their products for the most part based on this is what it's going to taste like right now and this is how much it costs right now, which is fine. But I always wish that they would, that's inside out, right? That's their taste test profiles. That's their product. That's product focused. The outside in perspective on McDonald's is, remember that time when your daughter was four and you took her to McDonald's for her first hamburger? Remember that? <laughs> would you like to have that taste again? Bring that moment back? And all these food brands have this amazing opportunity for outside-in perspective to really essentially create customer experience without having to go crazy creating customer experience. All Marburgers had to do was be on the shelf at Publix and make their product super tangy and out of whole milk and, you know, and create a great product. So, I mean, it's a great product. Fortunately, I ran into it. And now every time I have a glass of buttermilk, I'm creating a new memory of, you know, having this buttermilk by the pool or having this buttermilk, you know, in the hot sun or having this kind of interesting Florida adventure that I'm having. And underlying all of it is all my history with buttermilk over the years, particularly all the years I had with my grandparents, who obviously 
I can't talk to anymore, but I can bring them back a little bit by having a glass of buttermilk. Isn't that is that is power? Like that is brand power to bring that kind of memory back. You know, I can't bring my children back to four. I uh, can't talk to them that way. Uh, that's like that's not accessible to me anymore. I don't have children who are children anymore. Uh, but I can go to McDonald's and I can have a cheeseburger. Like you get the because I always eat the remnants of what they didn't eat, right? So I can have a cheeseburger and a couple of fries and I'd be remember those moments and be right back there again. Think about your brand from the standpoint of what emotional value do you have in the consumer's mind and how do you how do you access that? How do you connect to that really deep core that people want to have activated? People love reliving great memories. People love to be part of and connected to their past. People love to have that positive emotion. Sometimes it can just be a really great glass of buttermilk. For the CXM experience, I'm Brad Kong, CXO at Sprinkler, and I am off to have a delicious cold glass of Marburger buttermilk. And I will see you next time.